Welcome to a tradition unlike any other, the 2022 Gripstrip Podcast. Hello, friends. My name is Philip Matthew, and I'm with my co-host, Josh Fine here for episode 108 of the Gripstrip Podcast. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, Phil. It's an interesting week so far. You know, glad to see your Jim Nance impression coming back there for the Masters this week. You know, Jim Nance, a uh, pretty busy guy. You just did the NCAA men's tournament, and now he's doing the Masters. So I uh, always like to hear his voice and great impression there by you. But, uh, you know, we got a lot of motorsports to talk about and everything. And, you know, I will tell you this, I didn't mention this offline, but I rented a Jeep Wrangler this week for my work trip, and uh, it was an interesting experience. <laughs> oh, boy. I think we're going to have to talk about that at some point because my one of my coworkers at school has an old Jeep Wrangler, and that thing is starting to the engine ain't working and the, the, the battery charging system isn't working. So he had to rent his cars in the shop now, and he had to rent a Mitsubishi Mirage. So that was, that's quite a downgrade, but maybe it's kind of an upgrade because the car runs. Um, well, I'll show you what it looks like here real fast. Cause I'm, um, I mean, let's, let's start off with a little talk about this. Cause yeah. um, it's a, it's an interesting deal here. Um, it's a, it was a really nice car on the outside, but yeah. um, the controls were all funky and everything because I've, I've never driven this car before. Yeah. And yeah, it was just like the, the window controls are all in the center console. I didn't yeah. know that until I left the um, the person at the car rental was like, oh, yeah, it's in the center console. I was like, oh, and then uh, later on driving the car at night, I realized that I didn't have the headlights on. And I'm like, well, in my car, you know, the my Acura TL, the headlight uh thing is like on the same thing as the turn signal um thing and it was um you know not on there it was like on the on the dashboard like uh, all the way like down to the left and i'm like why is it there that's stupid yeah <laughs> yeah it sounds like a jeep thing that's that's it's funny that you're yeah the console and doing all that because now i have my my optima in the shop because of last week um the issues i had and um all having to get that thing repaired, had to put in a claim. So now I'm driving a I'm driving a Toyota Camry. So it's kind of ironic since we're talking about Richmond and it was a Toyota whatever four hundred and two fifty that I'm driving the Kyle Bush mobile and the thing it just it doesn't it drives I mean I'm like I'm I my dad used to have a Camry, so I know what a Camry drives like. It still drives like that. It's kind of like you know, doesn't really have the response that I'm used to. And it's really high. You're really sitting high up in the car. It's kind of weird. I mean, it's a nice car, but it's not very, um, it's not very, uh, you know, user friendly in regards to actually the digital stuff, like the, the digital stuff and all the, the controls, just like you're talking about in the Jeep, but then it's a Jeep. Um, Toyota, it doesn't really seem, and then I also like to to paddle. I paddle shift the car, or bang, you know, bang shift the car, and the transmission doesn't even it doesn't even respond at all, and it'll go and switch itself right out from auto stick mode back into regular mode. I'm like, who the hell asked you to do that? I'm, I'm <laughs> I don't have that problem in my car, so uh, we'll have this car for a little while. Um, I'm definitely not gonna be doing anything crazy uh, with it because I need it until my car gets fixed 
but for a couple of weeks I'll be in a Kyle Busch mobile. So, um, yeah, it's got, I mean, it's, it's comfortable enough, I guess, but it's not as roomy as my car. But, uh, yeah, so now the two hosts of the Gripster podcast are renting. Um, or at least you rented for this week and it didn't sound that great because it was a Jeep. Um, in my case, I think hopefully it'll be a little better. I mean, there's already body panel detachment and there's like scrapes and scratches on it. I'm like, well, okay. It's, it sounds like Ty Gibbs must've driven it. Um, but either way we'll get into, um, now that we've hashed out how our rental car strategies are going or how rental cars are not exactly, doing us the doing a best service we're going to get into the cup series race at richmond which saw dennis hamlin after uh, what has been a pretty rough start to the year get another win at home there was a unique strategy uh deal where teams were pitting twice versus once uh the gibbs team basically had both sides of that and uh denny hamlin was able to go and make it pay off passing will byron there late We'll talk about Martinsville. They have a triple header starting on Thursday night. We're doing this a little in the morning because we're both actually off. So it's a different deal than uh, our usual Wednesday night plan. We'll talk about uh, Formula One, Australian Grand Prix, first time in two years. And uh, there's a lot to really get into in regards to that. Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach, one of the majors, one of the biggest races in the world. Uh, I mean, the second biggest IndyCar race there is. Um, how will Scotty McLaughlin continue his hot start to 2022? Uh, can he get another, can he get a major uh, at Long Beach? Uh, we'll uh, round up, we'll cover MotoGP and Moto2. They were at Argentina last week. A big win in MotoGP for Ali Chespargaro, getting his first career win in his 200th start. Uh, and first win for Aprilia in the Premier Class. Uh, they're going to be at Circuit of the Americas this weekend, so they'll get to see all the new resurfaced areas of the track that NASCAR saw a few weeks ago. The World Superbike Championship starts um, at Aragon. Uh, the supercars are at Albert Park for their usual Australian Grand Prix um, round. And then Formula E is back, and they'll be racing in Rome. Got, uh, we'll see where we're at time wise, and we could get into some masters talk and um, bowling. I bowled my high set of my life on Tuesday, and then um, afterwards, I don't really remember much. Uh, but I did bowl 631 and I bowled a 259 in the last game and won some cash. So I'll take that. Second. Bowling. I gotta say, yeah, for somebody who was completely lathered up, yeah, um, 200, 259 the last two games, we won five points, we're making a run. Um, we probably gave up way too many points up a few weeks or a couple of months. We basically were leaking oil. Uh, the last three weeks we've been on, we've been on fire and four of the last five, we've really been doing work. We've went from ninth in the league back to fourth. Um, we'll see what happens. Wanted to finish top five in this league. Um, NFL draft talk, uh, Peter Traeger already, um, posted his first mock draft today on uh, Good Morning Football. So um, there is a bunch of wide receivers, a bunch of quarterbacks, uh, but, of course, the draft is very centric in the defensive and offensive line. Um, probably getting a little bit of that more as we get. We'll see where we're at and probably getting it more later um, next couple of weeks because, I mean, Josh of Jacksonville Jaguars have 
um, capital in the first round. The 49ers definitely don't. And a quarter of the league doesn't have a first round draft pick this year. So we'll see some of those teams that don't have first round draft picks and why that may be the case versus, um, you know, why um, all these other teams like the Jets and the Giants, for example, being local, will have two picks each and what they may do with those. Josh will do a sim segment, uh, talk about the you're running 87 cars, you got IndyCar action, you got a lot going on there getting prepped for Indy 500 time and some of the other bigger races that are probably coming up here. So we'll get into that and then we'll close this for episode 108, a tradition unlike any other. So one tradition that has returned is Denny Hamlin winning at uh, Richmond again. Uh, Toyota's that's a tradition unlike any other. Toyota's winning at Richmond, which seems to be the thing now, has been the thing. I think every race I went to Richmond, a Toyota won. Um, you know, Denny Hamlin has had a rough start to the year. So, I mean, to be fair, to be fair, it's not like uh, uh, he's, I mean, he's not given up much in that. I mean, he's still in his 40s. He's still got a lot to give, I guess. And he, he had a rough start to the year, but he doesn't want to, um, he's still in it. So it's early in the season. You win a race, you put yourself right back into the mix. He only led five laps, but it was five laps that counted. And uh, one for, what is it, his 47th win in the Cup Series. So that's that's a big number. Two wins away from tying Tony Stewart. Kevin Harvick finished second. William Byron finished third. And Martin Truex finished fourth. He led 80 laps, uh, won one stage. Ryan Blaney or won the second stage. Ryan Blaney won the first stage. So basically, this race was dominated by four drivers: Byron, Truex, Bell, and Blaney. Blaney, of course, qualified on pole again, um, but wasn't able to close the deal. Kyle Larson started twenty-first and finished fifth. Bell, Blaney, Bowman, Kyle Busch, Austin Dillon, your top ten. Chase Briscoe started fourth, dropped like an anchor, was a lap down, needed to get the the lucky dog. Um, and then salvaged an 11th place finish. Uh, Brad Keselowski had one of his better runs of the year in 13th, scored stage points. Clyde was only 14th. Uh, Logano, uh, 17th, and Ross Chastain uh, finished 19th after scoring third in both stages. So rough afternoon after his first career win, um, getting in a little bit argy-bargy with uh, Ryan Blaney amongst others. So yeah, uh, Denny Hamlin, I mean, Toyota had uh, three of the top six and four of the top nine in this race, the Gibbs guys. It's been a Gibbs racetrack for a long time, but if you're going to pick a Gibbs car that was going to win the race, it wasn't initially going to be Denny Hamlin. But of course, in the end, when it counts, strategy, him and Gabe Hart made the right call. They had the tires. And uh, he goes and pays off another win at uh, Richmond there, Josh. Yeah, definitely. You, know, you talk about Danny Hamlin winning at Richmond. That's a tradition unlike no other, like we talked about. And he's won many times in the past and uh, had a really rough start to the season uh, this year. But you know, he's ranked 20th in the standings before this win. Now uh, wins this race and basically turns all the entire season around for him. Because you know, once you get that win, it uh, gives you confidence boost for your team and for you as a driver. But then also... Um, now it opens up as far as uh, what you can do with your strategy, uh, you know, in um, in these races, and then also you know your car setup. You can uh, get a little bit aggressive with the car setup and see uh, you know what kind of uh, changes you can make and what you know kind of experiments you can make for later in the year. You know, especially as we get towards the playoffs um, in September or in August. So 
there's always a, all of that that you have to consider um, once you win a race. Um, but I, I wouldn't have picked Denny Hamlin. I uh, didn't think he had the pace. Uh, I thought maybe Kyle Busch would have had uh, the pace uh, for this um, race, but then um, he was in the top five, I think, for most of it, but then, or in the top 10 at least, but then um, had that penalty, which is really strange to me. I did not know that um, apparently, you know, adding tape to the grill of uh, the next gen car is a penalty, uh, which is strange, but I mean, I guess that's the new rule now with uh, this car. So definitely, um, you know, everybody learned. And now Kyle Busch uh, had to pay for that one and uh, ended up getting another poor finish. So, um, at least, you know, for one Joe Gibbs car, uh, they now have a win with Danny Hamlin, but then some of the other cars like Kyle Busch uh, have either self-induced errors or um, things that just take them out of contention there. Um, so, you know, that was a, a up and down, I guess, for the Gibbs organization. You, know, you also had uh, Martin Truex, who was uh, contending for the win too, uh, had a chance to possibly get by William Byron. Um, within the last 10 laps, but then I think his car kind of faded because he was getting kind of close to uh, Bill Byron there, but then um, started to lose pace, and then eventually Hamlin got around him there uh, within that last 10 laps, and then Hamlin passed uh, William Byron there. So uh, definitely a race that uh, involved a lot of tire strategy. You know, that's something that you know, we really haven't seen over the last uh, couple years in Cup, but you know, I think at this racetrack, uh, seems like we we have a lot of long green flag runs now um there's not really a whole lot of crashing that happens i mean we did have two accidents in this race but definitely um not really a whole lot of um action going on outside of that and so that leads to long runs where you really have to figure out the tire strategy and then you know like you said toyota uh joe gibbs racing they went on a two-stop strategy kind of to end the race whereas uh william byron and his team they decided to try to go the whole last 90 laps uh without pitting and uh it almost paid off there but unfortunately it didn't work out for them and tires faded at the end and uh denny hamlin uh ended up getting the win there um so definitely a um, good race, I guess, in terms of strategy, being able to see comers and goers at the end and seeing who had the best uh, you know, handle on the car with um, the tire strategy. So we got kind of that race uh, going on. You know, we were, really weren't sure what type of racing we would see with this new car at Richmond uh, compared to the Gen 6. But I think overall, um, based on that, you, know, you had a lot of action towards the end uh, with tire strategy. Um, so at least that made it really interesting to watch. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Richmond is they probably need to reseal the place. Uh, they used to do that every year. Uh, they'd reseal the track, and I think it made the track a little racier. Um, this car has been good virtually every place it's been so far this year. It's, of course, a great road racing vehicle. It's basically a road racing vehicle, but it's been good on a super speedway type track. It's been good on a short track. It's been good in an intermediate setting. So the when you have races that are more spread out, um, you have to kind of figure out what you need to do. And I think the strategy is what made the race more interesting. Um, and that's where the real deal was, uh, the two stops versus one stop. And you aren't really going to get, get it out of the announce booth because, you know, they don't know what the hell they're doing. Um, and the sad thing is Chad Knauss actually, I thought, did a really good job. And Chad Knauss is, um, uh, but then it's typical now. Fox just hires people that are all connected within, that are still connected within the industry, and they have their personal biases coming out. 
um, with Tony, and then you have, and then you have uh, uh, Chad Canals, and then and I mean, Miss Hummer was the different was the one difference, but then nobody gives it's, it's, it's Miss Hummer, yeah, and she doesn't offer anything, anyways. Yeah, uh, other than blowing Clint in in the booth, so it's like it. it I don't know. It's the race itself. I mean, it's Richmond. That's what it's become. It's a shame. Uh, they used to call it the action track, and there used to actually be action there. Um, and late in the race, there was action, but uh, uh, it is what it is. Uh, we will see it in the in the. Are they in the playoffs? Did they put them back in the playoffs? I don't even remember anymore. I think I, they did. Yeah, so it's like the. Uh, let me just confirm it out of curiosity. Yeah, the or no, there no, there are a couple of races before. They'll be in the afternoon. They'll race in, in August in the afternoon again um, after Michigan and before Watkins Glen. So they're two before the cutoff race. So that is there's that for Richmond. It'll be hotter in August, so maybe it'll be slicker. So that might assist in the racing um, product that we see there um, next the next time they go there. So this weekend uh starts the weekend starts uh today actually um in regards to the uh, truck series the blue emu 200 uh will be taking place um if if the weather here in new jersey tells me something i mean the weather in in georgia may be a better outlier in regards to the masters going on right now they might be able to qualify uh there's 39 trucks for 36 spots so um, they'd probably go to the they'd go to the algorithm if um, if they can't run if they can't run qualifying. Uh, forty three cars for um, what is it thirty eight spots or forty yeah forty three for thirty eight so five would miss the show and the Xfinity call eight one one before you dig two fifty what a great name um, it's uh, Josh's boy Junebug making his uh, one and only start of uh, 2022 in his uh, Hellman's 88, and uh, got some other people. Uh, Ryan Truex will be in the 18 car. Uh, Parker Retzlaff, who looks like a cartoon character, but is a really, really good iRacing iRacer. Uh, had a great run his last race at, at Richmond last week, and now uh, will be back again in the 38 car. Got uh, Ryan Ellis, who's a great PR guy slash race car driver, driving for Alpha Prime. Uh, so some things are there. 36 cars for the Cup Series, uh, Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief 400. So it's the first time in a long time, I think, at Martinsville that they're having a race that isn't 500 laps. Uh, so that'll be – that might change strategies up a little bit uh, to be determined. 100 less laps so if you get buried in qualifying you're not really going to have as much time to recover um in the race you're gonna have to do alternative pitch strategies and stuff to try to get yourself up front so let's do this um we'll go for tonight's race because it's we're doing this on thursday uh the uh, truck series i mean kyle bush is in this race josh so you know me i just go and pick kyle bush automatically um because why not uh if i'm gonna pick a regular to win i'll go with grand Enfinger. you know it kind of goes the same way as denny hamlin rough start to the year but he's with a good team i think the gms involvement in cup 
and now putting their eggs there and trying to make their situation in cup look good, which definitely on the 43 side is happening. Um, maybe not so much on the 42 car, but the GMS truck effort has not looked as good as it has over previous years. Probably stretching resources might be a part of it, but Grand Enfinger is a great short track racer. Arca champion has won multiple times in the truck series. This would be a good spot for him to get that first win, lock himself in the playoffs, and um, take a little pressure off the organization as they're trying to go and make sure um, they get themselves ready for um, uh, later in the year when it when it really counts. Um, Haley Deegan will be racing. Uh, there's issues with um, trolling and um, some uh, stuff with death threats to her boyfriend who races in the uh, Arca E series. So there was question of whether she would race. Uh, so, but she will. We'll see how that goes for her. She's not done much of anything in a truck, so. It'll be something to see if she's able to handle that pressure and handle the stress of, you know, your her significant other having death threats and then probably other stuff going on with her and how that'll be uh, in that spot. Um, I'm trying to look if there's anybody else. I mean, of course, so far this year, Kyle Busch Motorsports with John Hunter and, and Chandler Smith have done a lot of work. John Hunter, of course, threw a block on Chandler Smith and allowed um, Corey Heim to win at Atlanta the last time out. So maybe that might end up uh, coming back around. Maybe it comes back around now, or maybe it'll come back later or two races ago. Sorry, they're at Coda and uh, Zane Smith won. I think one other person to look at would be Carson Hosevar. He's really quiet. The Nice team has not been great for a while, but Carson Hosevar just quietly does his thing and he sneaks up there and he usually finds himself in a spot to compete. And he's got that talent. He's been one of those guys. So watch out for Carson Hosevar here um, when they race uh, this truck race. So um, who are you looking at, Josh, uh, as picks for this uh, truck series event? Yeah, I think for me, um, you know, I'm going to go with John Hunter uh, winning this race. Um, I he hasn't had a really great start to the season. He's uh, had three 20th place finishes to start the year and then got second at Coda two weeks ago um, and now uh, has a chance to you know finish well at Martinsville, potentially win. Um, he's won here before at Martinsville back in 2018. Uh, started on the pole last year at Martinsville, um, but then ended up finishing 39th. So um, it's a little bit hot and cold at this track, but uh, you're, you're in a Kyle Busch Motorsports car. Kyle Busch is racing, so um, definitely have to be able to uh, contend with your owner, someone who's you know won at this track many, many times in the past in the truck series. So I definitely think that uh, John Hunter, John Hunter has uh, a lot going for him this weekend. Um, I think other guys you got to look at. Um, William Byron is going to be moonlighting in this race uh, for Spire Motorsports and the HendrickCars.com number seven. Uh, this car uh, or this truck was, you know, fra- fairly competitive uh, when it, they ran at Coda with Alex Bowman. Seems like um, they're basically going to be using this car as extra practice for Hendrick Motorsports drivers. That's what it looks like so far for uh, the trucks, but. Um, yeah, I think uh, William Byron. You know, he's had success at Martinsville in the Truck Series before, so uh, I think um, you know definitely he, he could uh, potentially be a contender in this race. Someone at least running top ten, maybe top five. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Um, I think other guys got to look at. Um, you know, uh, Matt Crafton, always the successful veteran. I think um, you know he's always finding a way to have himself, you know, contending for uh, races at Martinsville. So I would look at him. Um, ben Rhodes, uh, another guy 
uh, he's had uh, pretty good finishes at Martinsville the last couple of years. So you know, I definitely look at him as a contender uh, in this race. So, you know, there's definitely a, a, a lot of uh, guys that could, uh, you know, either win this race or, you know, find themselves finishing in the top five at the end of the day here at Martinsville. Um, of course, this is the truck series race. So, you know, there's a lot that can happen at Martinsville, a lot of, you know, short track hijinks uh, that happen in uh, NASCAR, you know, often happen in the truck series because you know, we got a lot of young guys trying to prove themselves. You know, a lot of the wily old vets still trying to uh, show that they can make it happen. So, you know, a lot of things can happen in this race. You know, we've seen in the past, you know, uh, Ty Dillon or Austin Dillon, yeah, Austin Dillon or Ty Dillon with uh, Kevin Harvick back in like uh, 2013, if I remember correctly. You know, they had that incident. Um, so there's definitely incidents like that that can happen at Martinsville. Um, so, you know, you can see a lot of short track action, I think, uh, here in the truck series on Thursday night at Martinsville. Yeah, a lot to dive in. There will probably be some unnecessary wrecks. We'll talk about the driving standards, which have become a thing, <clears throat> and the lack of respect that some of these kids have for equipment and other drivers. I think that'll come up here next week on um, episode 109 of the Gripster Podcast. We'll go back to regular scheduled programming. We'll have a lot to cover there. For Xfinity, I mean, the big big piece is, of course, uh, Junebug uh, running his one Xfinity race of the year. So can he go and jump in a car once a year? Can he go and compete at one of his favorite racetracks, a place where he has won a couple, one at in a cup car? He's ran late models at over the years. The uh, junior motorsports team has been solid this year. Um, it's not been, they haven't had the f- result, probably the final results that they wanted, uh, mainly because Keebler Gibbs seems to win a reffing race, but the fact of the matter is you have Josh Berry, who's the defending winner of this race. You have Allgaier, who, who makes his bones on uh, smaller tracks anyway. Uh, Sam Mayer, who came from the short tracks of Wisconsin. And then Gagson, who won the November race to lock himself into the final four. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the first piece I would say for you, Josh. Um, I'll, I'll let you go first in regards to the picks. Um, well, they put Kyle Weatherman in the 34, so they'll actually have a chance to make the race. Um, get through some of these other ones. Yeah, they're going to do. Yeah, so no. Okay, yeah. So that's, I, I mean, you look at the teams. I mean, you it's the big three teams. You look at Gibbs, Junior Motorsports, Colleague. That's been the talk all year. I mean, RCR is there, I guess. But Sheldon Creed's kind of had a rough start to the year. Austin Hill's made a a quicker transition, but that's mainly because I think Austin Hill has more experience in Xfinity cars anyway, and now he's driving, you know, top flight Xfinity equipment um, compared to where he was before. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, talk about Junior, what uh, what he brings to the table here for Friday night um, and his chance to possibly go and get a, another Xfinity win. And um, some of the other people you look at that could go and get this win uh, here on Friday evening, Josh. I mean, starting off with Dale Jr. being in this race, and this is going to be his first race since uh, last year at Richmond. Uh, last time he was out uh, in the Xfinity Series, you know, made made a lot of friends or a lot of you know frenemies uh, out there on the track. But 
you know, Dale Jr. is just out there trying to have fun as an old guy in the series now. But you know, this is uh, his one one-off to you know, help the sponsors out with uh, Hellman's and Unilever and all those guys. So um, you know, excited to see Dale Jr. back out on the track for that you know once-a-year deal. But you know, he I think as far as this race, like. You know, he's won before once in the Cup Series, you know, back in uh, October 2014. It's probably probably my favorite Dale Jr. win, probably because um, you know, going back over the years, he had so many chances to win at Martinsville in the Cup Series, and something would go wrong, or you know, another incident would happen, or it just uh, wasn't there at the time when he needed to uh, be there, or you know, Kevin Harvick moving him out of the way back in 2011 uh, when he was in the middle of his uh, four-year winless streak. But, you know, that was, um, you know, definitely one of my favorite wins of his career. Um, but now comes back to Martinsville in the Xfinity car, um, which I think for the first time ever uh, in his Xfinity career, he's going to be racing uh, at Martinsville. So it's going to be interesting. Um, we'll see how he does in practice. I think um, if he feels comfortable in the car, you know, has a, a lot of speed, you know, coming out of the, uh, the truck, you know, I think he'll um, have a good chance to finish in top five or, you know, p uh, possibly win uh, here at Martinsville. Um, he's definitely uh, a short track racer, you know, at, at heart, you know, he um, knows how to get around this place. Um, so, you know, definitely looking forward to seeing him race, uh, you know, as a fan, uh, for me, you know, that's, um, you know, your guy coming back out on the racetrack. That's, you know, a huge deal for me. So, um, definitely try to be able to have the race on on um on friday night and see how dale jr does but i think you know for the rest of the contenders you know i definitely look at um his other jr motorsports card uh with the number nine noah gregson you know he won last year in xfinity at this racetrack and you know, overall seems to uh really uh run well at martinsville so uh i would you know definitely like if i'm not going to pick dale jr then i think i'd pick the number nine uh to win this race so uh he seems pretty strong at uh, martinsville based on you know, the last couple of years of running there i mean same thing for um Justin Algar also, because uh, he uh, ran pretty well at this track. And then, of course, Josh Berry, uh, you know, last year, that was one of the big stories that happened last year with him uh, winning in uh, the Xfinity Series and basically parlayed his role into a full-time uh, ride this year. So uh, Josh Berry, you know, he could uh, come out and contend for the win and potentially uh, actually win this race and, of course, defend last year's win. So it, it actually would be interesting if, uh, Josh Berry, like Josh Berry coming down and having to uh, battle Dale Jr. for the win, that would be a pretty interesting sight. Uh, the owner, the guy that, you know, has basically funded his career versus the, um, you know, the young guy coming up on the ranks trying to prove himself still and, you know, potentially get up into the Cup Series. So uh, that would be an exciting thing to see. Um, you know, you talked about colleague. Um, we'll see, you know, what A.J. Almaniger does uh, in this race. He's He's ran well at Martinsville before, but I wouldn't consider Martinsville definitely to be one of his strong tracks. But uh, a lot of characteristics that carry over from road course racing, I think, you know, with uh, basically two hairpin turns uh, at Martinsville. So we'll see, you know, what AJ can do in this car. Um, you know, Ty Gibbs been dominant this year. I expect him to continue to uh, try to extend his dominance uh, into Martinsville. Uh, we'll see, you know, if uh, his mile and a half success can carry over to the short tracks uh, here in the Xfinity Series. So, um, you know, a, a lot of contenders here that could uh, potentially win this race. And like you said, probably will come from one of the three uh, big organizations, whether that's Junior Motorsports uh, or uh, Colleague or Joe Gibbs Racing here in Xfinity. Yeah, I figure that would be the case. Um, I mean, I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick Josh Berry. I just figure it's one of his best racetracks. He's won, um, he's won the 300 
at at Martinsville. He won the X New Year race. It was one of the biggest wins of the year, um, one of the coolest things of the year. And then he jumped in and basically retired Michael Annette, um, which was even better. I think that, I mean, that's just funnier to me um, because Michael Annette is such a hack. Um, and then they put Josh Berry in the car and he goes and wins. Um, the fact that Josh Berry, um, and then you relative to what Mayer did in that car, he did better than Mayer uh, too. So, I mean, this year's kind of been slow start, but it it kind of is. It goes down. I'm going down that same path as um, uh, you know, Danny Hamlin last week. You know, you had a rough start to the year, but you get one win. Josh already mentioned it. You get a win, you're basically set. Uh, you don't really have to do much. You just kind of have to keep on accumulating stage points. You just have to and playoff points and and put yourself in a in a position. To compete for it right now, as it stands, there's only four winners uh, for Xfinity Series regulars that have uh, won this year. So um, Cole Custer um, uh, was the other winner. So five total winners this year. Um, Gibbs has three wins, 16 playoff points, but then otherwise you have Almendinger at seven, Gregson with eight, and who is the overall points leader? Gregson with eight. Um, Sam Mayer has one playoff point with a stage win. Austin Hill has his win from Daytona. So Josh Berry is actually fourth in points right now. He's giving up a lot of points to the top three, which is Almendinger, Gibbs, and Gregson. But he's right there. All three junior motorsports cars are fourth, fifth, and sixth in points. And they've had their various issues. So it would be a great um, place for them to go and get their season kind of started. Um, You have... Daniel Emmerich as a defending series champion, kind of struggling, but, uh, you know, he's run well in the cup car. Uh, it's interesting. He runs better in the cup car than the Xfinity car. And Ryan Sieg's actually in the top 12 in points right now. So that's uh, interesting. Creed and Brandon Brown are tied for the cutoff in points. Um, and what is it? Six points back is Anthony Alfredo. You think about a few weeks ago at California when he came out on the fresh tires and all those um, red flags took place late. He wins that race. He's in the playoffs right now. So, um, you know, right now in regards to this race, though, I'll, I'll say Josh Berry. I would look at Daniel Hemrick. He had a chance to win the November race, and he got moved. Uh, he wants to put him, give himself some momentum, put himself in a place to get um, in the playoff and uh, comfortably start building a, a portfolio so that they can um, – uh, build towards the playoffs. If there's one in regards to somebody that I would look at, I'm trying to figure out. I mean, Derek Griffith, he made his debut last week uh, in the Sam Hunt car, and um, he had a solid yet unspectacular run, a late model racer. Might be, I mean, I'm not saying he's going to win by any means. I figure, you know, a top 15 run would be a good run for them. That Sam Hunt car, especially when John Hunter has been in it, has been really, really fast. Of course, they have Gibbs help. So that might be somebody to look at. Uh, Okay, the Cup Series, 400 laps at Martinsville uh, this Saturday, um, Saturday night. So that'll uh, be the Bloom Emu Maximum Relief uh, 400. And uh, 36 cars. So no extra cars will be in this race. J.J. Ailey will be in the 15. Almendinger will be in the 16 car. And Josh Balicki will be in the 77. So no bumping, no issue, whatever, with that. Um, 
Ask who, yeah, so that's it. So, and um, let me go and bring it up. They have the qualifying order. So practice and qualifying will be on Friday afternoon in uh, uh, Group A. So, yeah, look at that. So, uh, yeah, so I'm looking at Group A. Some of the people that will be in the qualifying in that round will be uh, Byron, Harvick, Hamlin, Larson, Briscoe, Bell, Reddick. So that's a good part of it. Bubba. Of course, has had a rough start to the year, but Martinsville is one of his best racetracks. Kurt Busch has had good runs at Martinsville as well. In Group B, you have um, Brad Keselowski. I just saw his 31st in points, so can you imagine? You go from being a championship contender for I don't know how many years, and now you're a car owner. You're you're in the freaking boondocks. Uh, sports humbling, that's for sure. Um, Sindrick, uh, Ross Chastain. We'll be in Group 2 with Joey Logano, Chase Elliott, Kyle Busch, Bowman, Blaney, and Truex, who has won multiple times at Martinsville recently. Bowman, of course, won in November. Uh, it was called a hack. Um, I'd like to be a hack um, and win as many races as Alex Bowman has. Um, I mean, this week, I mean, you think about last week, Josh, and uh, Toyota, of course, had a great run uh, at Richmond. And Martinsville's been another track where, the Gibbs cars with both uh, Denny Hamlin and Martin Truex have done very, very well. But Hendrick Motorsports, if there's there are certain tracks that you just connect to Hendrick Motorsports, they put all their eggs in the basket in qualifying at Daytona. But Martinsville, Jeff Bodine, they don't win that race. We don't have Hendrick Motorsports anymore. And they've won, you know, I know Elliott's run well plenty of times before, uh, he won the race in November a couple of years ago to give himself the shot to go and win his championship. And you have Bowman, of course, who won there last November. You have um, Kyle Larson. It's not one of his better racetracks. It never really has been, but he did better than he used to um, there. And then Byron um, is a good short track racer. Uh, but on my end, I'm going to go... I'm going to go with Joey Logano, and uh, he's ruffled plenty of feathers over his career. Um, he's roughed up Martin Truex to go and get a win. It's his kind of racetrack. Um, it's a place where Penske, of course, they've lost a little. They have good momentum because, you know, Gumby won the 500. Blaney's been fast every week. Uh, but when is Joey Logano going to go do something? Uh, this is a spot for him, I think, to go and get that first win of the year, lock himself into the playoff, not worry about anything. Uh, I think Truex will be there for sure, and I would also say that the nine car, so all those guys are in group two. Uh, somebody, dark horse, that that might be able to do something, I would say two, and it'll offend, it'll offend the LCD people, but um, Bubba Wallace and Daniel Suarez. Bubba Wallace... This is one of his best racetracks. He's won in a truck multiple times there. He ran well there um, for Richard Petty Motorsports. I mean, yes, he doesn't have his crew chief. Yes, he doesn't have, like, they've lost, I don't know how many freaking crew pit members and crew members because of all these um, issues that 2311 is having this year. But they have a good setup. They have the ability um, with the Gibbs connection uh, to give Bubba a car. He's had a rough start to the year. This is a place where he can go and get himself back on track. And then you think about Daniel Suarez, who's had such a, he's had a strong start to the year and he feels comfortable 
And it, I think about a couple of years ago and he basically said, this is the best team I've ever been with. And he made these comments and it was, it spoke from confidence and it's because he believed in what Justin Marks was doing and what, and Ty Norris and all the people. And now it's coming through. Um, I think it's a matter of time for, for Daniel Suarez to finally get his first career cup series win. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it happens here in Martinsville. Probably will be like a cookie cutter or road course or something, but he he runs very well there. Um, those are the two, but um, I'm picking Joey Logano this weekend uh, for the win at Martinsville as he goes, and he would be going back as a defending winner of the race at Bristol uh, the following week, which will be on dirt. So how about you, Josh? Yeah, yeah. I think for me, I'm thinking uh, Denny Hamlin, actually. Let's uh, keep going with what happened last week uh, at Richmond winning there. So you can win in the capital of Virginia and then win in the uh, southern end of Virginia in Martinsville. So uh, Denny Hamlin uh, has had a lot of success at this track also. Uh, should have won last year, probably. Uh, you know, of course, uh, Alex Bowman got in the you know uh, way of that one, but you know that's how things happen. But uh, he's had a pretty strong track record at Martinsville. Um, and I think they can, can uh, carry the momentum of winning at Richmond down into Martinsville. Uh, so I see uh, Danny Hamlin winning this race. Um, yeah, I can agree with you on Bubba Wallace there. He's had a lot of uh, good finishes at Martinsville in uh, the 43 car. And definitely think after a year even uh, of being in the 23, even though he doesn't have everybody uh, on the team uh, for the next couple of races, I think uh, Bubba Wallace can definitely have a, at least a top 10 um, finish in this race. Um, I think uh, the rest of the Joe Gibbs cars, particularly uh, Martin Truex Jr., he's had a, a lot of success at Martinsville, also been been up front in a lot of these races. So I, I can see him uh, coming out uh, with the win in this race or um, – at least uh, uh, contending for a top five uh, in in Martinsville. Um, you know, I, again, I'll look at uh, Alex Bowman. Uh, somebody, uh, you know, he won last year, of course, but I think he can back it up and at least uh, get into the top ten uh, in this race. And you know, I think another guy I'll look at is Kevin Harvick, uh, someone who's not really won at Martinsville particularly, but he's always had uh, great finishes. Oh, he, well, he has won at Martinsville back in 2011, but. Um, I think for him, uh, he's had a lot of good success at this track, and it looks like for him also maybe some things are beginning to turn around. Of course, finishing second at uh, Richmond last week, maybe carry that into Martinsville also and uh, get a good finish. So, yeah, a, a lot of guys that can contend in this race on Saturday night. Um, yeah, like you said, a 400-lap uh, race, 400 miles. Well, not 400 miles, but 400 laps. So um, there's not really going to be a whole lot of time, like you said. So we may have, maybe we have a lot of wrecks. I mean, we do uh, have a lot of crashes anyways at Martinsville, but maybe uh, the less 100 laps ups the intensity a little bit. And of course, it's going to be at night. Uh, so there's always uh, a different feeling with night races uh, in the cup race or in the cup series. So we'll see what happens there. And, you know, you talked about if you don't get a good qualifying effort in, um, you're going to be at least you know half a lap down to start the race. Well, you, you're going to have to have a, a really good car, I think, to be able to make it up to the front. And then also, like you said, you're going to have to figure out some type of uh, pitch strategy to be able to uh, work your uh, say you know work yourself up to the front. So uh, we'll see what happens uh, in this race. You know, if somebody like we talked about ends up qualifying at the back, can they make it up to the front and? you know, have a, a put on a show trying to pass cars throughout the field at, at this paperclip track. So we'll see what happens at Martinsville. Definitely excited for um, all three races uh, at Martinsville. You know, one of the best racing that you can see in the Cup Series and uh, definitely a, a track that if you can go to it, uh, you should definitely try to see a race in person. 
Yeah, and I, we also there's one other thing that I just thought about. Uh, you know, they ran the Coliseum, and that was essentially a test session there. It was a quarter mile track instead of a half mile track. But essentially, if there's one track that that they never had that kind of they used to test and all back in the day, but you literally had a full test session for all 36 chartered teams at the Coliseum running this car. So now they have a little bit of data to work with, along with kind of like a baseline setup that they're going to use in the sim. Uh, so I think there might it might be a better race. Uh, the night racing, had, especially with the Gen 6, had gotten to be really bad uh, because of the grip and all the other things, um, it being so stuck where nobody was really able to pass. Maybe with this car... Uh, the night racing will actually um, it'll actually be good. So that's another test that we'll get to see on Saturday night at Martinsville. There'll be a couple of consecutive night races, uh, at least for the main event at Mar- uh, at Bristol on Easter Sunday, which is something I can't believe. <laughs> it's funny. NASCAR running on Easter forever. It was sacrilege. You can't run on Easter. Well, not only are they running on Easter, they're running on Easter Sunday evening at Bristol. Um, after running heat races in the middle of the day. So, yeah, I guess traditions, unlike any other, it don't really matter in NASCAR. Uh, let's sw- let's go and switch it up here and uh, get into Formula One. Uh, this week, we'll be going back to the Australian Grand Prix for the first time since 2020 when the teams and everybody were there. They were about to go and run FP1 and a bunch of... Uh, crew members for I think McLaren and maybe one other team had the vid and they basically had to um, shut down and uh, Formula One did shut down from that point until I think July June late June July of of 2020 Uh, and they haven't been back to Albert Park since they've made a couple of changes to the racetrack here um, at uh, Albert Park to assist in possibly helping um, uh, with, uh, with passing, um, it's never been known as, um, it's never really been known as a great, uh, track for overtaking, uh, but it's a opportunity. I mean, Dan, we'll be talking about Dan Ricardo. So the changes should make, uh, five seconds quicker. Hmm. Interesting. So, uh, we'll go, what is it? They're saying Lawrence Barreto wrote an article talking about it. They've they widened the entry into turn one. Um, they've uh, changed the the entry into turn three, which is a DRS zone, turn six, and one seven and a half meters in attitude corner, close to doubling the width and allowing for cars to travel. Okay, section quicker. And then now the kink no longer features a chicane. It becomes a dirt feedback. The curves have been reprofiled, tightened. So there's multiple DRS zones. They pit well, okay. Maximum speed in a pit lane. So four DRS zones. Create some kind of, yeah. So four DRS zones in uh, this weekend's race at Australia. Um, they've, there's, um, yeah, they're going to, yeah, they reprofiled. They took away a couple of corners. Turn six, seven, they've changed turn eight. Instead of there being a chicane, it's just going to be a really long uh long sweeping straightaway leading into the left right of nine and 10 reprofiled the straightaway a little bit into 11. Um, the pit road is wider, so that'll probably make pits and the pit stops will be, um, uh, premium. Uh, they change. Yeah. You said change turn one, turn three. So, I mean, it, we will see what happens. New car, 
uh, here at uh, in Formula One this year. Um, I guess the first thing we can do is talk about the track, Josh, but um, we don't know. We're not going to know until tomorrow because we're doing this on Thursday. But um, do you feel like those changes with the new car will assist in having a better uh, product on the racetrack uh, in general relative to what we've already seen so far in 2022? Well, we'll have to see what it looks like uh, when we get to practice uh, later this week on Friday. But, I mean, based on the, the map, what they've changed to the track. I mean, like you said, you take away like a, the turn nine and 10 chicane, and then you basically just have a long sleeping corner down all the way to what is, or what was turn uh, 11 and 12. So that could potentially like add a, a little bit more passing opportunity there with uh, DRS. Uh, like you said, so uh, something you know like that could happen. We have a little bit more passing action, but I mean, this racetrack in the, the past uh, became no, uh, basically a follow the leader racetrack. And if you had a, a good qualifying effort, you could potentially end up uh, having a, a good race. Um, you know, especially if you're a team that doesn't really uh, have good results, if you can qualify well, you can uh, potentially finish uh, in the points. Uh, so that that's some, something to consider there. Um, yeah, we have uh, two DRS detection zones in this racetrack. You know, going, go, um, you know, from six and seven all the way down to uh, what is now turn nine and ten, and then um, another DRS uh, zone uh, from ten down to eleven. Um, so, and then you have the speed trap in turn one. So, yeah, this uh, racetrack could be interesting. Uh, I mean, the new car, of course, seems to uh, look like it has overtaking uh, a little bit easier, but um, this you know, racetrack. Um, could could potentially see that, but then it could end up staying the same. We'll have to see. Um, so yeah, I think the configuration, uh, some unknowns that we're probably gonna have to find out later as we uh, get into the, uh, all the practice sessions and qualifying before the race. And cer- certain teams, I know there's two that I wanted to mention before we talk about the current top two. You got Mercedes, Lewis Hamilton, and uh, George Russell. Of course, the arrow and uh, downforce situation, the porpoising problems they have with their car, along with the power unit deficit they seemingly have. And then you consider, it is Australia, Daniel Ricciardo, he's never finished officially finished on the podium uh, at the Australian Grand Prix. I have a hard time believing that's going to happen in this weekend, but they had a recovery run with Lando Norris in the top 10 at Saudi Arabia. I mean, the Mercedes-powered teams are at a deficit, but I would look at those two teams. Those are the two main teams Mercedes has. Uh, what are they, what What can we expect? I mean, it's a different type of circuit. They ran fast. You're talking about, you know, the average, you know, run-of-the-mill Formula One circuit at, at Bahrain. You had the Circus Clown Show, which is Saudi Arabia, which is an overrated go-kart track. And now you have a you know temporary street circuit, which is old school temporary street circuit, a um, little safer. Um, speeds are a little more within reason relative to the safety and everything. Um, they've done resurfacing in a lot of areas. It's been a couple of years. So I'm sure the downforce will be an issue. Uh, I mean, I th- for me, I think Mercedes will have some sort of upgrade here. Um, a small upgrades. I figure McLaren will be the same. They don't want to have Daniel Ricardo not making it out of Q1. They want him to at least make it into Q2. Uh, I think George Russell will be okay uh, there this weekend at uh, at Albert Park. Lando Norris, he's fast uh, generally. So, I, I mean, 
I have high hopes for both of those teams. I'm not sure if the practice or the speed will actually fit there. Um, there's a big gap that they have to make up relative to the top two teams uh, here in um, as we start early part of this year. I mean, um, we've discussed it, I think, ad nauseum um, so far with Ferrari and, and Red Bull. I mean, I think Red Bull's biggest problem is the powertrain. Uh, I don't think the car, I think the car is pretty good. Um, Verstappen was actually able to get his head out of his ass and um, actually race properly and um, and defeat Charles Leclerc. But Charles Leclerc has been more consistent. And I think, honestly, he's the fastest driver right now. You add Carlos Sainz, who's just uh, quietly consistent. And you have Sergio Perez coming off of his first career pole and feeling as though he probably got robbed um, at, uh, Saudi, um, because of the call, the full course, uh, full safety cars. And, uh, you've got a really good battle, at least for the top four in qualifying, let alone, you know, what we'll see with four DRS zones. If, if you're thinking about what we had at Saudi, when they're trying to go and break test to get out of DRS or get in, you know, you, that might end up having similar kind of situation here, Josh, uh, with, uh, Verstappen versus uh, Charles Leclerc, um, part three here uh, to start uh, 2022. But I also think that their teammates are going to have something to say about that. Yeah, I think so too. You look at uh, what Charles Leclerc has done this year, and it's been a pretty impressive uh, start to the year for Ferrari and for Charles Leclerc. So yeah, I expect him to be up front again. And Max Verstappen too, uh, both of them seem to have uh, gotten this, uh, gotten good handle on this new car and I think you know they give a lot of credit to their teams as well for uh, figuring it out and being able to uh, start up uh, the year on a good on a good front but yeah I think um, it's been an interesting uh, start to the year for um, some of these teams like you know you talk about um, Carlos Sainz as well someone who hasn't really had a lot of success uh, so far in Formula One but now he's kind of running up front with Ferrari uh, and now it seems like you know those teams have a, a good good handle on the car um, spec uh, their teammate uh, for Red Bull for uh, Max Verstappen Sergio Perez uh, definitely look at him to uh, be up front alongside his teammate uh, there so expect him to be able to uh, have something to say uh something to uh show for this weekend um we'll see if uh, mercedes can recover uh we'll see if uh, they can uh you know have a better uh, race than what they've had so far to start the year uh we'll see if uh, they can come out um and you know kind of return back to their their form that they had early uh you know last year um certainly and you know having a better chance uh, at this racetrack and everything and you know i look at another team that has been pretty well uh this year and that's haas uh you know even though they had the incident with mick schumacher and qualifying um last week or two weeks ago at saudi arabia you know i think um they could definitely have a good chance uh in this race uh here and you know I go back to 2016 when they started out and uh got a sixth place finish in their first race uh in formula one as a haas f1 and uh roman grosjean brought the team uh basically out uh, and got a good uh start to their um 
their season that year and you know their debut in Formula One. So I would look at them uh, this weekend. They've had two great races with Kevin Magnuson. Mick Schumacher had a solid effort in his one race before his qualifying crash, and they of course are running without a spare. Uh, car this weekend so it's going to be a little bit tough on uh, being able to um, not get in any incidents so far this year uh, in in the weekend you know Mick Schumacher has had some qualifying incidents before but um, you know he's probably going to be uh, careful to not uh, crash the car this weekend in, in any of the practice sessions before the race so we'll, we'll see uh, what Haas can do uh, Kevin Magnuson expect him to try to get another points finish whether that's up towards closer to the top five or in the bottom half of the top 10. Uh, so some solid results from Haas to start the year. Uh, let's uh, see what they can do uh, this weekend. Definitely think uh, Alpine, um, they, they might, you know, they, they might have a chance to be in the, uh, the points uh, in this race. You know, Fernando Alonso uh, has had a pretty interesting start to the year uh, for him. Espan Ocon also um, has had a pretty good start to the year as well. Uh, so we'll have to see, um, you know, if they can continue what they did, uh, back at Saudi Arabia, they had that great, uh, battle between, uh, the teammates, uh, in Saudi Arabia. We'll see if that thing can continue, you know, especially with, uh, the way that the racetrack, uh, reconfiguration is looking like, you know, um, you, you see what the racetrack is looking like now. Um, there could be a lot of opportunities to pass and repass uh, down the straights, especially if you're uh, closely following another car uh, with DRS behind uh, or, or having an opportunity to have DRS. So we'll have to see what happens there um, in in that race. Uh, you know, especially if you're able to follow a car uh, onto the straights where you have DRS detection. Um, so you know, there's a lot of things that could happen in this race. Um, We'll see if uh, they can you know, have DRS and you know have a lot of passing, but if not, then it could be like in the past where you know it's basically follow the leader, uh, like we said earlier. So um, yeah, I mean I'm definitely still looking at uh, Ferrari and Red Bull to continue Chapter Three of their battle this year, uh, but maybe some other players as well. And then I mean we should probably have to talk about Daniel Ricciardo also uh, and McLaren. Yep. They have not had a great start to the year, uh, various issues with their car. You know, we thought maybe they would uh, come out and do well uh, after their you know, preseason testing. It seemed like they were running pretty quick, but now um, they've had two really bad races, uh, really, for both of their cars. And this is Dale Ricardo's uh, home Grand Prix uh, after two years of not having this race. You know, he's probably really desperate and wants to have a great race to uh, show in front of his friends and family back home in Australia. So, you know, he wants to be able to run up front or at least, you know, get within the points and get a good finish. So we'll see if um, they can at least put a, a good effort for this race. You know, if they can't do anything else during the year, at least have a good result to show for at your home Grand Prix. So we'll see what uh, McLaren and Dan Ricardo can do this weekend at uh, Melbourne and Alburn Park. Yeah, that's going to be a key storyline during the whole entire weekend, of course, is what does Daniel Ricardo do? What can McLaren do since they're on the back foot? I think you mentioned Alpine. Of course, they're going to run their main livery uh, starting this weekend. Uh, the majority, uh, I think the majority pink livery or blue livery um, starting this weekend after running a majority pink livery the first two races at uh, Bahrain and Saudi Arabia. Uh, you know, you'll think about some of the other drivers like Gasly, um, who seems to always put himself in a good position qualifying wise. Um, what, how will Mick respond after having to take a week off? 
um, you know, that'll, or a couple weeks off and recover. Um, you know, that's, that's something we'll, we'll see with that. Um, I mean, what can Williams and Aston Martin do? Uh, Sebastian Vettel will make his return after COVID, uh, being out with COVID the first two races. Um, what about Alfa Romeo with Valtteri Bottas, who was in position to possibly score points uh, at Saudi before overheating issues? And how will Guan Yu Zhou or Zhou Guan Yu go and uh, uh, do at a circuit that he hasn't run at before? Uh, so uh, we will get in all that. We'll talk about it next week on the GSP. Uh, they'll have time off uh, before they go to the Parmigiano Reggiano Grand Prix in Imola. Uh, We'll we'll go from one uh, street race, big street race uh, around the world to another big street race uh, around the world. Uh, Or actually, you know what? We didn't do that. Um, The picks, I mean, you, it sounds like you're going Ferrari. Um, I'll, I'll just go and make myself nauseous and I'll just go Red Bull Um, and you get Ferrari and then we get to see who's better off. I mean, uh, for somebody who's going to be in the top five. I think for a dark horse candidate to be in the top five, I do think Pierre Gasly is my pick for that. Um, he's run well there before, um, not only in the Alpha Tori, but in a Red Bull. Uh, so I think uh, Pierre Gasly would be somebody I could sneak a top five finish, help uh, the Alpha Tori effort in regards to their battle within the midfield. Uh, how about you? What are you looking at as somebody that could possibly sneak in? I, I think I might have left a a couple of good ones. I'm pretty sure I left a couple of good ones up there. Well, I, I mean, for me, I, I kind of already alluded to it earlier, but you know, I think a dark horse for me would be Kevin Magnuson in the Haas uh, yeah. car. He's had two great starts to the, or two great races for the year. And yeah, I expect him to continue to lead the charge for Haas and get another uh, finish in the points uh, somewhere. I mean, I don't think they're, you know, a top five contending car yet, uh, but it looks like you know they have a lot of pace uh, this year compared to the last couple of years in Formula One for them. So expect uh, you know expect them to be able to at least get uh, a points finish, whether you know at least tenth to uh, sixth place range uh, for for that team. Which would be as I mean you mentioned that that's my fault. I you the way they were for the last two three years uh, to where they are right now. Um, it's a great thing. Kevin Magnuson has brought a lot of positive energy to the organization, and he he seems rejuvenated like um, a whole new guy. And uh, it's I think a big part of why this early part of the season it's a it's a time to pounce because you know even within the cost cap realm it's Formula One. There's going to be development. Uh, Williams doesn't want to stay in the back. Aston Martin definitely doesn't want to stay in the back. Stroll's a freaking trillionaire. He's not going to sit there and watch his car be the worst car on the grid, which it is, basically. Um, McLaren's not going to be be back there the whole year, you wouldn't think. Mercedes, of course. And then and then you have, you know, AlphaTauri and Alpine. I mean, there are rumors that Pierre Gasly is going to go to Alpine, uh, which I think I said a couple of years ago is what they should have done anyway. Um, it would have made more sense than hiring Fred Alonso again. But um and they'll probably tell Fred to go away and that's what they'll do. They'll go with two French guys um and then hedge and see how that works. Uh but we'll get into that uh accordingly next week. Another big race is the Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach. 
and that reminds me of one other thing there. But the Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach, the IndyCar, basically the biggest road race in the IndyCar series. It's existed since 1984 on the calendar, so longer than I've been alive. Uh, of course, the races existed since the 70s with Formula 5000 and Formula 1. It's a legendary race. Uh, a lot of the great, most of the greats have won it. Michael Andretti won his first career race there. Al Unser Jr. was the king of Long Beach, won six times there. You've had guys like Power and Ryan Hunter Ray won there. Um, very um, um, uh, big win for him and Andretti Autosport what, about 12 years ago running for IZOD. Um, he ended up meeting his meeting Becky there and, of course, his mom and the can- with cancer and the whole so where he runs the number 28. I mean, there's a lot of big wins, Dario, Dixon, I mean, it's 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 a big one. You want to win it. Uh, this weekend's race is no different. It's going to be an interesting run, one for sure, uh, in regards to uh, what we're going to see. Uh, it's a tough field. You know, you have a lot to, and and there's it's basically after this week, you have a couple of weeks off, and then they're going to Barber or Baba, and then it's the month of May at Indy. Yeah, so there's you gotta have really gotta show up here and do work. You'll have a one hour practice session on Friday evening. You'll have a one hour practice session on Saturday morning. Qualifying on Sunday or Saturday afternoon uh, before the IMSA race. Then they'll have a short warm up and the race on Sunday, which will be on Big NBC, um, which will be uh, good. To, instead of it being on, uh, oh, there's Alex Zanardi. Yeah, I mean, the past winners, they didn't run the race in 2020, but Alexander Rossi's a two-time winner here, and I think that's the first piece we're going to go over, Josh. I know I mentioned it. Uh, Scotty McLaughlin will do that uh, too, but Alexander Rossi, there's a lot of bad juju going on there at Andretti Autosport, at least on his end, the 27 car. Um, he was a guy who's a contender, a championship contender for multiple years, has won the Indianapolis 500 and contended for another Indianapolis 500 win. But recently, his luck has just been atrocious. And it's kind of like what Ryan Hunter Ray's end of his run at Andretti Autosport was. But this is one of his best racetracks. It's home, uh, Southern California. Um, can Alexander Rossi get off the schneid, what he's been on for like about two years, it seems like, and and come back and get that third win at Long Beach and really reset the narrative of what his um, situation is in IndyCar? Or are we going to continue to see the unfortunate downturn um, that has come along for, for him and his side of the garage at Andretti Autosport? Yeah, it's been an interesting deal for... Uh, Alex Rossi, the last couple of years, you, know, you talk about uh, his performance, uh, what we thought it would be after 2019. We thought it would he would be one of the contenders uh, in this uh, series for a long time coming and kind of be the staple at Andretti Autosport. But it, you know, it looks like now he's beginning to slip and has already slipped a lot. And it looks like Colton Hurd is kind of taking over that number one spot in uh, Andretti Autosport. And uh, we've talked about comparing their performances, and Rossi's been needing to be able to step up uh, his game uh, compared to uh, Colton Herta, who seems like he's begun to you know have a handle in this series and potentially could be moving up to Formula One uh, within the next couple of years, depending on what happens with Michael Andretti there. Um, so 
for Alexander Rossi uh, this year. He uh, had an up-and-down race at St. Petersburg, ultimately uh, ended up leading 10 laps uh, in that race, but you know, deferring strategies and everything and uh, didn't have a, a great finish there. And then, of course, um, uh, had a, you know issues at Texas and uh, ended up not finishing that race. So, uh, you know, he has had a lot of issues uh, to start the year. Um, could have a chance to turn it around at Long Beach, but um, I think for me to be convinced uh, for him to have a, a, a good showing there. He's got to show a lot of pace in, in practice uh, and also in qualifying. Uh, got to be able to uh, show you have top speed, um, at least top five speed in, in practice, and then you have to be able to qualify up front uh, for me to really consider uh, Alexander Rossi as somebody that uh, can contend uh, at the Long Beach Grand Prix. So, I mean, I think it's going to take a lot, but he's certainly a driver that when things go right, he's definitely capable of doing uh, great things in the car. And you know, we've seen him uh, win this race before, and you know, we've seen him win other uh, plenty of other races in this series. So, you know, if he's able to uh, get it back together, um, it could be something. But I'm just uh, not convinced yet until I see it. And in in this uh, grid and the way that how competitive the IndyCar series is, I, I we probably I've said that. Um, ad nauseum too on this show um when you get behind it's very hard to come back i mean R- rossi i mean he i always remember his watkins len domination from a few years ago and road america domination and he's a two-time winner of this race he knows how to win in big spots he just i mean but something's off and as josh said colton is the guy there uh there he's become a street course expert he made um scotty mclaughlin work at uh, St. Petersburg for that first career win, along with Newgard, uh, you know, whoever. So, I mean, that kind of uh, goes into that next part with Scotty McLaughlin. He's had a great start to the year, theoretically could have two uh, wins to start the year, uh, but got passed there late uh, in uh, by in the last lap pass by uh, Joseph Newgarden. So, the fact of the matter is, you know, you go and lose to your teammate. I mean, it sucks, but in the end, you're talking about somebody of of uh, a, a high level of talent and ability. And Joseph Newgarden, a multiple two-time champion of this series. Um, I mean, that's something. He'll be running the snap-on car this weekend. Uh, Scott McLaughlin, he is the points leader. Uh, what do we expect? I mean, of course, at St. Petersburg, he put it on pole and he held – held on and did such a great job to win the Grand Prix of St. Petersburg uh, back in uh, February now, the end of February. Um, but now, um, you know, two races in, he's been the standout performer in the IndyCar series. And he, he made his name in, in, in the V8 Supercar Championship the same way. Uh, Scotty took one year to learn. It's similar to what Simon Pagino did at Penske in his first year, he struggled. And then the second year, I think he won the championship. Uh, it's got similar uh, feelings to that. And he ran well at Alabama or Baba. Uh, he has, I mean, that's he one, one win, two podiums and a pole led 235 laps so far and a one and a half average finish a 28 point lead on, on uh Will Powers, teammate, 30 on the defending series champion, Alex Pillow, 32, Newgarden. And we go from there. Dixon is sixth. Colton Herta is um, eighth. And uh, what is it? You got Jimmy Johnson's actually 11th. Look at that. Uh, Paddle Award, 13th. Uh, struggling start to the year for him. 
Uh, Elio Castro-Neves, 18th in points. Alexander Rossi, we are talking about him just now, is uh, 27th. He's behind drivers. He's behind one, two, uh, three, four drivers that have only made one start this year. He should just be thankful that one of his teammates is Devlin DeFrancesco. Um, so, I mean, for me, Scotty, he was my guy in the supercars. He's fast. Uh, these street circuits kind of fit and fit his driving style because he had to do it in a tin top car. I think he knows how to get the most out of the car on these tighter circuits. Um, I mean, he can do it anywhere, honestly. There's a reason why, you know, Penske wanted him. So will he continue his run? Do I think he can win again? Absolutely. Do do I think he can? Yes. Will he? No. Um, he'd probably get a top five finish, top 10 finish here at uh, Long Beach. I'm thinking this weekend will be, um, it's going to be a Honda, and I think it's going to be Alex Pillow. Alex Pillow, um, he's he's just really, really consistent, and it's scary how consistent he is. Um, he's a guy that he's learned a lot from Scott Dixon, obviously, and he also did a great job of learning when he was driving for Dale Coyne in his first year in the series. I think Pillow opens up his... Uh, um, winning uh, column here to start 2022 at Long Beach um, and then goes to Barber and uh, to defend that race victory um, on moment with some good momentum. I think somebody who would be a, a dark horse candidate would be Takuma Sato. It's hard to say that when the guy's a two-time Indy 500 winner and he has won this race before, but it's similar to when he won the race before. He's driving for a smaller team you're not theoretically going to go and say, oh, Takuma Sato is going to go and win this race. That team last year, of course, different players, Roman Grosjean, um, you know, Busan or whatever is his engineer, they were up front. They ran well virtually every race that they were in, uh, you know, last year. So, and, and he did great on the street circuits. So why can't they do that here uh, in this spot? Um I'm sure the ovals are, I mean, he's going to line up more trying to get um, more at the, at Indianapolis. I know he really wants to go and get another one there, but he knows how much Long Beach means. I think they're going to be somebody that to look at, depending on how practice and qualifying go, of course, uh, that's somebody I would really put, keep an eye on because he's a veteran. He's been around forever. Uh, that would be somebody I would look at as a dark horse pick. Um, but I would say that, um, Alex Pillow is my pick for the Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach this weekend. Um, who are you looking at Josh? Yeah. I mean, you took it kind of right out of my hands there. I was thinking about picking Alex Pillow. I mean, he's had a, a strong start to the year as well. I mean, he was, uh, right on, uh, Scott McLaughlin's gearbox in St. Petersburg and was really pressuring him there for the win. Um, and then, of course, uh, he ran pretty well at Long Beach last year uh, on route to winning the title uh, for the IndyCar Series. So uh, he definitely knows how to get it done on these street courses uh, in IndyCars. But, I mean, I think for me, you know, I'm going to go with uh, the guy that won uh, at Long Beach last year and has been pretty good on street courses, too. And that's Colton Herta. Uh, talked about him earlier, his rise to being the top guy in Andretti Autosport and definitely uh, think, you know, this year is basically his prove-it year to see um, not only if he can uh, contend for the championship in IndyCar, but, you know, potentially uh, position himself to get into Formula One if uh, Michael Andretti is able to get a ride or get a team in Formula One. So um, 
I look at him as somebody that can uh, be strong at this track and uh, potentially win. Um, yeah, I think uh, Scott McLaughlin, like you said, will be a contender in this race, but ultimately don't think he'll win. But don't be surprised if you know he ends up on the podium. That uh, shows his improvement from last year. And you know, like you said, he needed a, a lot of time to be able to get used to the Indy car. But now that he's got time under his hands uh, and is able to get all that experience, now he knows what he's doing in this car and uh, expect a lot of things for him. Uh, expect him a lot of things uh, to happen. So. Uh, Definitely, I uh, think Scott McLaughlin there could be a contender uh, in this race. And, um, you know, one team that I'm looking at also that's got to make some improvements is uh, McLaren and IndyCar. You know, they haven't really had a great start to the year either uh, for their team. And we expected a lot out of Pato Award in particular, somebody that uh, had a strong end to the year and uh, finished uh, in the championship in uh, third place and was uh, a contender for the championship uh, at the end of last year. So, um, you know, this is a, a track for him that he could run well out if things go well. Didn't have a great ending to the year at Long Beach last year. Let's see if he can turn it around and uh, potentially get, um, you know, a top five or a top ten finish in this track. Uh, so definitely I uh, think um, they have a, a lot of room for improvement, but, you know, they have the capability uh, to get it done. And, um, you know, I think for me I'll go with a really big dark horse and, you know, going to continue riding this one with uh, Jimmy Johnson. You know, last year uh, finished 17th in uh, this race uh, best finish uh, in the road courses in IndyCar um, and it's shown a lot of improvement over the course of 2021 leading up to the last race at Long Beach and that was um, one of his only uh, finishes uh, on the lead lap in IndyCar and got it done on a road course and you know so far this year uh, didn't really do that well at uh, St. Petersburg but had a deferring strategy so potentially maybe if the strategy uh, strategy goes right we can see him uh kind of run uh you know close to the top 10 ish uh in in his car uh or you know potentially um be able being able to have a little bit more pace and and maybe challenge uh, without needing to go to alternate strategy so you know continuing to look at him as somebody that you know could uh, you know maybe maybe not finish in the top 10 but certainly somebody that would uh you know surprise a lot of people if he can finish in the top 10 so you know, that's what i'm gonna go uh with uh, for my dark horse and it's a home game for him too in long beach so Juan california guy uh, famously won his first cup race at california speedway um el cajon all that so it'd be good for him to go and get it done at long beach of course he had a great run at texas uh last time out so uh you know, Jimmy Johnson, he's one of the greatest drivers ever, uh, and he's driving for Ganassi. So maybe he will figure it out as we go along this year. Uh, well, let's go from there. We've got the Indy cars done. Um, we'll get into the roundup. As I mentioned earlier in the open, uh, Alicia Spargaro won the uh, race at uh, in Argentina, the for the first win for Aprilia, his first career win in his 200th start, which is insane. Uh, big deal for them. Alice Spargo defeated Jorge Martin on the Premac Ducati. Alex Rins and Joanne Mir, the former world champion, third and fourth of Suzuki duo. Paco Bagnaya, who had a brutal qualifying, came all the way back to finish fifth. Brad Binder, sixth. Vinales, seventh on the other Aprilia. Defending world champion Fabio Quattararo finished eighth. Marco Bisecchi ninth uh, for the VR46 team. Ennea Bastaini, the winner at Qatar, finished 10th. Luca Marini 11th. 
Nakagami, Oliveira, Jack Miller, and Alex Marquez made up your points finishers. Um, Paul Espargaro crashed while running on the podium. Johan Zarco crashed while running second. Morbidelli um, retired from the race with mechanical issues, which was a brutal weekend for Yamaha in general. Uh, the two um, satellite Yamahas finished 18th and 20th, so their pace deficit is is huge. Um, especially the motor, the engine is not great. Doesn't seem like the chassis is that good either. Um, and you're going to Coda this weekend, where um, where you need to have top straight line speed and um, other you know top because you have multiple passing zones and. Uh, that's going to be a big problem for them. It'll be a, probably be a similar weekend with the Italian bikes up there uh, doing what they're going to be doing. Um, in regards to uh, the Argentine Grand Prix for Moto2, uh, Cel- Celestino Vietti, the protege of uh, Valentino Rossi, uh, goes and wins. Uh, I like that that guy's name, Sergio Garcini. He's on a gas gas. Um, and the Moto3, none of those people. I don't even know who any of them are. It's whatever. So Celestino Vietti wins over Chantro, who won the previous race for his first career win. Ayogura finished third. Uh, Aaron Kinnett and Jake Dixon, your top five. Cameron Bobier finished 11th. Joe Roberts, 13th in regards to the Americans. And i um, trying to go and flip through here. Sean Dillon Kelly didn't even, it says zero. I mean, I guess there must have been something. Or they all cra- Oh, Sean Dillon Kelly didn't, it was taken, it was part of a massive first lap crash, which took out um, with him, Nicolo Antonelli and Augusto Fernandez. So that's pretty bad. And then um, there was other crash uh, uh, that they show here with times which is confusing. It seems like what is it? Three, ten bikes were taken out in the first uh, first lap crash. So that's pretty bad. We'll see what the Americans can do at a track that they're all familiar with and all have done well at, especially um, Cameron Bobier um, and Sean Dylan Kelly um, at Coda as they go and build up uh, this season after. The Dakota, they'll have a couple weeks off, and they'll go to the Algarve in Portugal, Hereth, and then um, and they'll go from there. Going to IMSA, IMSA will be back this weekend at uh, Long Beach for a 100-minute race, sprint race at Long Beach. The um, Trying to go and see race countdown, trying to do all that. Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach, as I always say on this website uh, their website sucks uh, just like nascar.com but then they're run by the same people um, Ryan Eversley and Aiden Reed will be um, making their debut in the Rick Ware Racing Acura number 51 so that'll be cool um, Ryan Eversley is, um, who knows how to work social media very very well um, trying to get into yeah so the uh, Grand Prix of Long Beach will have uh, six DPI cars and 21 GTD cars, 15 on the GTD and six on the GTD Pro side. Uh, bring up the entry list over here. Um, that's uh, that's oh, one. They're only showing. Uh, oh, that just seems weird. Okay. So the two uh, uh, Chip Ganassi Cadillacs, the old one with Renger Vanderzand and Sebastian Bourdais and Earl Bamba and Alex Lynn. Uh, they won the 12 hours of Sebring. Then 
the JDC Miller team with uh, Vautier and Westbrook, Cadillac, the Acura number 10, Ricky Taylor and Philippe Albuquerque, Wayne Taylor Racing, uh, the 31-wheel and engineering team of Pippo Durrani and Tristan Nunez, and then the Daytona 24-hour winning Meyer-Shank Racing Group with Oliver Jarvis and Tom Blomquist. In GTD Pro, you have the Corvette number three of Garcia and Jordan Taylor, the Matt Campbell, Matthew Jaminet, Faf Motorsports number nine, the 14 Vassar Sullivan uh, Lexus with Hawksworth and Barnacote, Ross Gunn and Alex Ribeiros in the Harder Racing number 23 Aston, the number 25 BMW of Connor Filippi and John Edwards because they're sure went down to one car for the rest of the year. And then uh, Cooper McNeil uh, and Raffaele Marciello, who um, they've committed to running the Mercedes here in uh, GTD Pro. In the GTD category, the Paul Miller Racing, BMW, Sellers, and Snow, Montecalvo and Tielitz for the Vassar Sullivan number 12, Lexus, the Wright Motorsports Porsche with Ryan Hardwick and Jan Halen, uh, we got Roman DeAngelis, Maxime Martin, Harder Racing Aston, Mike Skeen, Stephen McAleer, and a Kortoff Motorsports Mercedes. The GMG Racing Porsche, so that's James Sophronis, of course, um, making his usual appearance at Long Beach. Westfall and McGinnis for the Carbon Le- Acura, or I mean Lamborghini. The NTE team, Don Yout, Jaden Conright, and mentioned earlier Eversley and Aiden Reed and the Brickware Acura. The Windward Mercedes with Russell Ward and Philip Ellis, John Miller and Paul Horton, Holton, sorry, Paul Holton in the um, Crucial Motorsports McLaren, Mark Miller and Mario Farnbacher in a Gradient Racing Acura, the number 70 Inception Racing McLaren, Brandon Uribe and Frederick Standorf, then uh, Bill Arbel and Robbie Foley, the Turner Motorsport BMW M4, and then Rob Ferriel and Catherine Legg in the Hardpoint Porsche number 99 makes up your grid at uh, Long Beach. I'll go and say that I would uh, I'd venture to say the 0-1 is at a rough start to the year. I think this is where they turn it around. Uh, Ranger Vanderzand, a Sebastian Bourdais who's won multiple Long Beach Grand Prix in an Indy car. Uh, so it would be a good spot for him to go and do something. And I'll um, go with the FAF Motorsports Porsche and GTD Pro, Campbell and Jabinet. And then in GTD, I will go with the 96 of Bill Oberlin, Robbie Foley. Of course, Bill Oberlin, the winningest driver in IMSA history, been around forever, uh, would be a good way to get their regular uh, season going after a couple of uh, Enduros to start 2022. Going from that, i got so many pages open and I went and lost uh, lost my uh, outline. That's good. Um let me go and take a second over here and scroll back down to supercars at Albert Park uh, this weekend. Um, there's We have the news they've already had qualifying. Uh, Reynolds, David Reynolds and Will Davison have already qualified uh, for polls for the first two supercar races at Albert Park. There's, uh, what is it, Sergio Perez and Fernando Alonso drove uh, V8 supercars as well, so that's that's cool. Uh, Shane Van Gisbergen, of course, has started this year uh, out on fire, you know, winning winning a bunch, and uh, he has a what is it, 57 point lead on Anton Di Pasquale, 
Will Davison is third, so the two Dick Johnson cars are second and third. Chaz Mostert for the Andretti United Walkinshaw team is fourth. Brody Kostecki, fifth. Brock Feeney, who's Van Gisbergen's teammate, is in sixth. Um, Cam Waters, Will Brown, David Reynolds, Todd Hazelwood, your top 10 early on in the 2022 V8 Supercars uh, season. And they're going to have their scheduled, of course, with the Australian Grand Prix um, this this weekend. They'll have they had the qualifying yesterday, and then they're going to have what looks like three or four races uh, here this weekend. Uh, they'll run on Sunday. They'll run on Saturday, and they'll run uh, they'll run on uh, Friday, I think, as well. So grids are paired for okay. Grids for the third and fourth races, yeah. So four races this weekend for the Supercars calendar. We'll see if Shane Van Gisbergen can continue the momentum that he has built up at the start of this season to go and defend his uh, Supercars title. Also, uh, winning at uh, at uh, what do you call Bathurst, which was a big deal for them, and. Um, Get back to the World Superbikes are going to make their uh, season debut here. This um, after um, a great championship last year, which saw Toprak beat out Johnny Ray, who had won um, who had won I don't know how many freaking World Championships in a row. So we have good testing pace with Ducati in there, Kawasaki. Uh, so we have you know, finalizes Philip and Isaac Vinales. Oh, well, whatever. Barcelona leaves girl off with a smile on her face. That's good. So that's something to see since um, we want to see Garrett Gerloff try to go and uh, compete this year for the uh, world championship. Um, doesn't look so great in the MotoGP side of things, but, you know, at least if he can go and win uh, a world championship, uh, that would be great trying to go and see the drivers, riders, and teams. Okay, well, that's not good. Um, They don't update these from last year. Oh, well. So they'll be racing this weekend at at Aragon, and then they'll uh, have a couple-week break, and they'll go to Assen. Then they'll have a month break between that and Estoril. So that'll be um, a fast start to the year. Um, They'll run, they'll... Phillip Island will be the end of the season. Uh, they'll run at um, what's it called the um, race, the same racetrack that MotoGP raced at a few weeks ago in Indonesia, uh, Mandalika, and then they'll run Villacom. Yeah, so we'll see what happens with that. Um, Garrett Gerloff, of course, is what uh, I'm looking for in regards to the World Superbike Championship. Can they? Can he finally contend and win a World Superbike Championship? Yamaha has been good here uh, last year to finally be Kawasaki. So can they go and contend? Uh, the last uh, last series we'll get into in the roundup is Formula E. And, um, you know, they're back, uh, Rome E-Pri. So they had, uh, we'll get into, they've had uh, season eight. They've already run uh, three races, Mexico City, and then the two races in Saudi. You had Pascal Verline win over his teammate Andre Lauderer and John Eric Verne and Antonio Felix da Costa bringing the Cheetah team third and fourth. Rocket Venturi Racing's Eduardo Matara finished fifth. 
So the driver's standings going into this weekend's race, Mortara has a five-point lead over defending champion Nick DeVries. Verline is tied for third with Andre Lauderer's teammate at 30 points. Stoffel Van Dorn is fifth, giving Mercedes EQ two in the top five as well. Sean Eric Vern is sixth. Jake Dennis ran Avalanche Andretti is seventh. Luca de Grassi, Robin Freins, and Antonio Felix da Costa is your top 10. And uh, Oliver Askew uh, scored points in the first round. And uh, right now he's 15th in the points. But of course, he's learning uh, on the fly here. So we will see how they go. Yeah, the Mahindra cars and the Andretti cars basically look the same. That's not a good job with, paint, with their paint schemes. Um, and then you have the Neo team that sucks and the Dragon Penske team. As Antonio Giovinazzi. All right, so we'll get into uh, what happens there at the E-Pre uh, this weekend uh, for rounds four and five, and then their next race will be at Monaco at the end of the month there. Uh, just uh, now that we're uh, switching over here to the next part, I mean, I mentioned I bowled 631, which is my high set of my life, uh, bowled 259, second highest game, uh, of my life, uh, 267. I had the front nine uh, a while ago, a few months ago, um, and then fucked up in the tenth. In this case, I had, I had a seven bagger in the middle of the game after a spare in the first frame and kept it clean, bowled a clean game, won some money. Um, and after I left, I don't really remember much, which is probably not a good thing for me, uh, but I did win and got some new equipment, got a new ghost. Uh, Black Widow Ghost, and I'm looking forward to throwing a new Power Torque. Uh, now my third one, since the first one got jacked up at the bowling alley. The second one was poorly drilled, so now I have it drilled the way I want it. Let's see how it goes. We'll get to throw it tonight in league, even though it's going to be on the shit burn and upstairs at Bolero because the floors suck and they don't bother to oil. But we will see how that goes. I'm more updates in regards to that. I'll have thrown it in the in the money league uh by the time we do our next episode in regards to the leaderboard right now in the masters harry higgs is at two under making the turn he's been fluctuating between one he started at one over and now he's two under is leading by a shot over taylor gooch daniel berger and joaquin joaquin neiman adam scott and tony finau uh, it's very low scores right now uh, at the moment eldrick is at even par through five, which is pretty good. Scotty Scheffler is even par through three, the number one player in the row in the world. Cameron Smith, a guy who's done really well on the players, uh, started at two over and has clawed back to even. We have um, some other guys, um, former champion Mike Weir's one over, which is pretty good for him. Zach Johnson, former champion, one over. Uh, Fleetwood, defending champion Hideki Matsuyama's one over. A lot of guys are one over. JJ Spawn's about to finish, and he's at he just won last week. He's at plus two. Um, Freddie Couples right now plus three, along with Larry Mize, a couple of former past champions there. Um, getting through some of these other guys going a little higher scores. Molinari four over. VJ Singh at six, and Matthew Wolf is at six over. He's had a rough start to the day. Bogeyed double the first. Bogeyed the second, which is a par five. Bogeyed the third, and then bogeyed seven and eight. So he's bogeyed both par fives so far 
uh, today, which is not good, um, especially when you know you have to make hay on those. We'll uh, give more into what happens at the Masters here in the next episode, too, uh, because I love this golf tournament. It's why they're running the Martin. That's part of the reason why Martinsville is being run on uh, on Saturday night, because they don't want to be up against the final round of the Masters. So that's part of it. Um, the NFL draft I mentioned, like Schrager put out his mock draft 1.0. There's been a bunch of other ones. I'll be I'll be honest. I know Josh, you mentioned it too. I mean, when you know your team doesn't have a first round draft pick, and it's likely they're not going to draft in the first round, doesn't really matter uh, as much. I mean, our first round draft pick was last year when we drafted Trey Lance, and um, likely is going to be the starter. Hopefully, so that they can actually go forward instead of. This Jimmy G garbage, um, I mean, it's great. Brought us back to relevancy, but it's time to move on. We have four years of control with, with Trey Lance. Need to make hay with these four years and try to get, get the Lombardi back back to Santa Clara, um, where it belongs. It hasn't been there since 1995. Um, it's about time it comes back there. I know your Jacksonville Jaguars have um, a couple of options there. You could go defensive line. At number one with Aiden Hutchinson, you could go offensive line with Evan Neal. Kayvon Thibodeau could might be in, might be in play. Uh, you're gonna get somebody that's an impact player there, um, and you have a coach that knows what he's doing in Doug Peterson. It's just a case of what else will come with that as the rest of the draft goes on. Yeah, I think for the Jags, uh, it's gonna be you know interesting. Uh, draft for the first, you know, first pick. They have a chance to pick up Aiden Hutchinson, Aiden Walker, Kayvon Thibodeau, and all three of those players are pretty solid. But I'm based on what I've read so far, which was uh, trying to do a little bit of reading on this while you know you're going through the roundup and everything. And um, I think it looks like the Jaguars' their best fit player probably is Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, probably fits a lot of what they want to do on defense uh, here in 2022 uh, with their new defensive coordinator, Mike Campbell, from the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, I think after that, if they don't go Hutchinson, they probably go uh, Trayvon Walker. Seems like they really love him as a prospect, um, and definitely he's somebody that could uh you know, fit the mold of what they want on defense. Um, I think I think what they're trying to do is pair somebody up with uh, Josh Allen, so you have a one-two punch. Um, I think it's pretty clear that Josh Allen isn't like that number one edge rusher that can create things. He's somebody that needs somebody else on the other end to really uh, help him. Uh, you know, create pressure for the quarterback and uh, you know stop the run and all that stuff. Uh, so it looks like you know one of those two players. Uh, I think. Kayvon Thibodeau is probably a little bit too similar to Josh Allen in playing style. So you know, having two guys that kind of have the same style, probably not a good idea on defense. You need to have two guys that can complement on defense on both ends of the line. So, um, you know, probably Hutchinson or Walker, one of those two. Um, I really don't have any preference. I mean, I will say I do feel like for some reason that uh, Hutchinson doesn't really feel that exciting as a prospect. It's not like... I mean, he does a lot of really good things, but he's not like, you know, somebody's like, oh, wow, that's like, this is a next generational player or something. He just happens to be the best guy in the draft this year uh, that can help the team. So, you know, we'll see what happens uh, as we get closer to the draft. Um, and then, uh, you know, who they uh, look like they're going to pick. Well, you know, as we you know get more rumors and stuff from uh, sources and 
and fans, you know, we'll see what happens there. Um, I think the Jags may try to trade back into the first round. I feel like um, they may uh, try to get a wide receiver late, mid, late first round, or potentially they, they may try to uh, trade for a receiver still. Uh, looks like maybe DK Metcalf may be on the trade block for the Seattle Seahawks as they uh, begin a rebuilding period uh, for that team. So, you know, I think, um, I think potentially, uh, Metcalf, if he's on the the trading block, I think the Jags should really try hard to trade for a player like that. Um, that's a game changing wide receiver, um, somebody that can really change the uh, game for a team. He's got a lot, still got a lot of uh, game breaking speed. So you know, I definitely expect a you know, player like uh, that to be available if if possible. You know, if not, they'll just try to draft a receiver in the first round or, or early second round, which is going to be tough because Trent Balky doesn't really have a great track record of. Uh, drafting wide receivers so you know we'll see what happens maybe Doug Peterson's got some input there uh, that can help offset that uh, lack of success dra- uh, drafting wide receivers for bulky there so you know a lot of things uh, still left to see what happens you know, we still got a, a couple of weeks for the NFL draft you got about like uh, three weeks until the NFL draft in Las Vegas uh, there so it should be exciting once we get around to that time you know definitely uh, gonna have the TV or the phone tuned in uh, to the draft at 8 p.m. once it starts uh, in three weeks from now. So, you know, definitely uh, looking forward to that, you know, seeing all the excitement of the first-round pick and seeing where the Jags go. So, you know, we'll see what uh, what happens there. But, you know, still uh, feel like it's uh, pretty early. Uh, but, you know, as things change, we'll see what happens. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, mentioned how a quarter of the league doesn't have a first-round draft pick. I mean, talk about my Niners. Uh the defending Super Bowl champions don't have one, but they basically said the draft doesn't exist to them. Um, I don't know how long that can really continue. I find it interesting that they don't draft anybody and they can still stay under the cap. I don't know how the hell that works, but um, that's beside the point. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. I mean, there's eight teams, so I mean, we'll we'll get in more into the details of the draft as the weeks go on. We have other racing, of course, to cover here and other endeavors on our own end and speaking of that josh um your your uh, sim segment the way we generally close out the gsp uh where i know you've been busy with work and been kind of jet setting around so now that you're back at home base what are your plans uh, here as we get towards like easter and all for some of the racing you'll be doing yeah for sure i mean you know going back to kind of normal lifestyle looks like and you know this weekend uh the schedule is uh for well not my schedule per se but the indycar and i racing schedule on um, indycar i racing schedule there's um the indycar fixed series at uh auto club speedway which i talked about in the last show um you know that's always a fun track to talk or to race on uh you know using the high line using the the slipstream the draft uh at that racetrack you know trying to uh, get runs in the corners and being able to you know hang it on the on the outside the middle um you know make up a lot of momentum and then if you got to run you can go dive down to the bottom and make a pass so that's uh, definitely one of my favorite tracks to race on in the indy cars so uh definitely going to be on that um i think uh the open series is at long beach uh so might try that out uh this weekend and then also on the nascar side uh i think um they're racing or uh, i mean they mirror their real life schedule and think it's going to be uh martinsville this weekend so maybe a cup at martinsville uh potentially or uh xfinity uh series at martinsville potentially one of those cars i always you know enjoyed 
playing Martinsville uh, in NRO3 back in the day and uh, even some of the old EA sports games uh, on console and PC. So, you know, iRacing uh, at uh, Martinsville is always fun too and, you know, get a lot of that uh, short track racing action uh, on on the sim this weekend. So, yeah, probably probably spend a little bit of time uh, sim racing and then I'll try to let you know uh, when I stream that, uh, of course, and then you, know, you can always, as always, uh, follow that at Twitch TV slash Sailor 2 Go uh, watch the streams and still have the Daytona 500 stream from a few months ago now, which uh, already seems like a long time ago, even though it you know, really wasn't. But, um, you know, still have that up there if you want to watch Super Speed Racing, but hopefully have some new content up there soon. And then I uh, can have, you know, watch the IndyCar stuff and, you know, potentially some uh, short track stuff at Martinsville. So, you know, always um, glad to be back home and, you know, uh, kind of resume normal life and, you know, get back into, you know, all the regular routine and everything. Absolutely. I mean, now uh, my end, it's, you know, trying to get back in a routine, even with stuff um, having these days off is actually nice for once. Um, getting ready for a new gig so that'll be nice getting some new things trying to go and fix some other stuff on other in other areas it's always nice to reset we're getting close to easter um it's time to reflect and re and and kind of think of how what you've done with your year in a lot of ways but then also what you're planning to do for the rest of the year um i mean you can follow me at philip g matthew on twitter you can follow the grip strip podcast at grip strip pod on Twitter, and you can follow us on uh, YouTube. The Grip Strip Podcast, of course, is on YouTube now. Uh, the, we've been uploading, Josh has been uploading the episodes uh, here the last few weeks, so we're up there. If you want to watch us, see us, um, instead of just hearing us on sound, you can go and uh, watch us on YouTube at Grip Strip Podcast on YouTube. You're the Grip Strip Podcast you can find on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Podbean, Pandora, and St- Stitcher and TuneIn. Probably others. I, I swear it probably is others, but I'm just, um, you know, in regards to where we um, are. Basically, anywhere there's a podcast, you can find the Grip Strip Podcast. So that's, uh, it's cool. So we'll, uh, we're glad to keep on doing this. We're on episode uh, 108. And we're going to keep on going. A lot of racing to go here. Uh, NASCAR, of course, really doesn't take a break until Father's Day. So there will be at least NASCAR talk here. Uh, we'll have uh, football talk here as weeks go on towards the NFL draft. There's been so many crazy trades and um, pick whatever signings. Uh, what's it called? Stefan Diggs just re-upped for another 496 after Buffalo, the whatever Buffalo city of Buffalo gave a blank check to the Pagulas to make a new stadium. So big deal there. Uh, there's been a lot of trades. I mean, green Bay, you know, they're going to want to get a wide receiver. You know, some of these other teams, Kansas city, they've been making signings, but they traded away Tyree kill. Who's going to be their guy. Um, you know, there's a whole lot that's coming along here. Um, in, uh, the upcoming weeks, does Miami go and decide because Mike McDaniel is their head coach? Do they go and take a shot with, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo? if they, even though they already have two quarterbacks in the room, uh, or does some other, you know, 49er, uh, centric team or like the Jets, you know, you have Zach Wilson there, but you want to have a guy who can, who's a capable backup. Um, maybe they make a move. Who knows? We'll see what happens. 
Uh, we'll talk all about that. We'll get into all the details from this week's races in NASCAR, Formula One, IndyCar. You got MotoGP, Moto2, IMSA, Supercars, World Superbikes, Formula E. And then there will be more to talk about next week, too, along with who uh, wins the Masters, uh, amongst other things, and see if I can continue this upward trend as we get towards the state tournament uh, for bowling and for Josh's uh, sim uh, work, both in IndyCar at ACS and then also in Martinsville in the Cup Car, uh, see what we can do there. So um, for Josh, I'm Phil. Thanks for listening to the Grip Strip Podcast, and we'll uh, see you next time.